Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Greetings, my friends, and welcome to episode 86 of the Sample Chapter Podcast. Hey, this week we're going to be speaking with speculative fiction author Craig DeLouis. He's going to be reading a sample chapter from his most powerful book to date, so stay tuned for that. It's coming up in just a few minutes. Once again, this is the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. That's right. Each week, we feature an author of varying success and experience with a short interview, you know, kind of get to know them a little bit, introduce them to you because there's plenty of authors, known and unknown, that you don't know, you the listener don't know. But that's what happens, you know, you run in different circles, you, you talk to different people, and, you know, just depending on where you are in life, you might not have heard about somebody who's going to be, you know, amazing. And that's the goal of this show, is to introduce you to perhaps your new favorite book. And you never know who's going to be on the show, from new authors to international bestsellers. And, you know, plus, I have a little bit of a phobia of announcing, hey, such and such is going to be on the show in a couple of weeks. Because you never know. Um, I mean, for crying out loud, last week we had international bestselling author Steve Alton was on the show. So much fun. I, I was just totally jazzed about getting to talk to him. And even after I did the interview a couple weeks ago, I still was just like, ah, do I want to say? Because, you know, who knows? What if he, like, changed his mind and, just, and emailed me back and said, hey, don't don't share my episode. I don't, I don't want to do this. You know, but, I mean, I, I ended up fighting it, you know, pushed that little uh, fear deep down and, uh, you know, did announce it a couple weeks ago and said, all right, yeah, he's going to be coming up, you know, and, and then the next week again and then uh shared the episode and it worked out you know and and thank you to all of you out there who've been downloading and checking out the episode and, and especially those of you who's been reaching out to me letting me know what you think of it i really appreciate it and i have shared your thoughts with mr alton so letting him know that you know how much you guys enjoy the episode if you do like the episode or if you like any other episode i'd be happy to hear about it you can find us on all social media i will share upcoming authors at least a day or so before so that way you do know it's coming up and then the current episode i will share that multiple times throughout the week uh, i tease an old uh, throwback thursday episode every week that's like six months old got a wealth of authors to share with you now so follow us on social media and you can you know always find out what we've got going on see some other pictures that we have don't forget to hit that subscribe button on whatever your podcast player of choice is. I guess uh, iTunes is still the most popular one out there. I know Google is a huge one for this show. We've got, oh man, half to two-thirds of our downloads come through Google. But yeah, we are on all podcast platforms. You can uh, subscribe to us from there. We're also on YouTube, and that subscribe list is growing. The views are growing every day. That's been a lot of fun to watch that go. So yeah, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out every week whenever we have a new author reading from another book and uh, another sample chapter. And by all means, if you find something that you like, make sure you share it with friends. Make sure you, uh, after you read the book, go in and leave a review. And of course, give me your thoughts on the episode. I'd be happy to hear it. And I'll give you a shout out on the next episode, just like Jimmy 
who uh, <laughs> he was the one letting me know how much he enjoyed Steve Alton's episode. Like myself, he's also a big fan of uh, Mr. Alton, so we're we're both really excited about the uh, the upcoming the new lock. So hopefully, Jimmy, you uh, you've got your book pre-ordered. I know I do. If you don't really a uh, social media kind of person, that's fine. You can still reach out to me through email at samplechapterpodcast at gmail.com. Let me know who you are, what your thoughts are, or maybe you've written a book, or you have a recommendation for somebody that you would like to have on the show. Then reach out to me that way, and I will get back to you as soon as possible. I know there are a few of you who emailed me back in August, and I'm still struggling to get caught up on some of that. You know, long story short, had a car accident early August, and it really messed up my, my whole month. Uh, going forward and it was kind of all I could do just to keep up with the interviews I already had and I had a little bit of problem uh, setting up new interviews just just trying to get things settled because you know insurance recovery all that kind of stuff but we're fine now and (laughs) speaking of I don't know if you can hear that or not I've got my phone on silent so it doesn't interrupt but it's still buzzing right next to me and it's my wife she's just tickled pink because she got her new car uh, and it's just, it's got, it's got all the bells and whistles. It's got the, uh, the Apple CarPlay stuff in there and where she's just, she's having too much fun is what it comes down to. And she keeps texting me and I'm trying to tell her like, Hey, I'm doing the show right now. Leave me alone. But you know, God love her. She's, she's <laughs> another text message anyway. All right. So, but that's, uh, that's what we got there. I don't even know where I was going with that. So let's get into the news. Um, <laughs> No real news to speak of this week. Uh, just getting things prepared for episode 100. I've got a few things lined up for it so far. Uh, a couple of giveaway items have been secured for that. I'm still just working out some of the details on how I will go about you know, setting that up and how I'm going to choose. So make sure you are following along and subscribing and listening for the details as that gets closer. And rest assured... By the time that episode comes around in December, I will have been blasting everywhere on how to sign up, how to do this contest and the giveaways. So make sure you are listening. Something really cool for me is <laughs> while my wife got a new car, I had a, a gift card that I won for uh, Amazon. So I used that to get myself a Logitech multi-device K480. It, essentially, it's a Bluetooth wireless keyboard and it's got a little slot at the top of it so you can put your device in there your phone tablet you know whatever you can connect up to three different devices to it and so far i i adore this thing oh my gosh i do have to take my phone out of its case so that it fits in there because i'm one of those uh you know otterbox kind of guys you know i have a have a very physical job and i'm always worried i'm gonna drop my phone so but uh when i'm home i will set my phone in that dock first thing in the morning i'm sitting down with my coffee it's quiet you know in the house i've got that time that's when i do my best writing i think and rather than waiting on my laptop which seems to constantly need updates and putting me on hold while it doesn't update or it's taking forever to load whatever i have uh decided to go with an alternative and i'm trying this out heard about it from the wordslinger podcast kevin tumlinson he got one several months ago was trying it out and uh, after hearing him talk about it, I thought, that sounds pretty cool. I'm going to check this out. And yeah, I, I love this thing because it, you know, I can put it in my lap. But uh, honestly, I will set it on the countertop in the kitchen while the coffee's brewing. I pull up Scrivener and just start firing away. 
and holy cow, it's been fantastic. I'm just punching out the words, and as I said, it's quick. Yeah, I can just get going on it much faster, uh, you know, saving myself. I mean, maybe I'm just saving myself minutes, but I know there are mornings where my laptop is just like, nope, we're going to reboot now. You know, you can get a lot of writing done in 10 minutes. I know people who have 10-minute word sprints, and they're cranking out, you know, 500 words. So, yeah, this is vital time that I'm saving, and I'm looking forward to using this because it's much lighter than my laptop and smaller. So I'm going to take some pictures. I'll post it up on social media on our Facebook and Twitter page. So if you're following along, you'll see that. And who knows, maybe uh, maybe I'll have to order a second one and put that in our episode 100 giveaway. Oh, real quick, I want to make sure and mention a big thank you for our sponsors, You Store All. Longtime sponsor, if you are in the market for self-storage and you live in the Warrensburg area, or perhaps you're coming here for the Whiteman Air Force Base, then make sure you check them out online. Ustoreall.net, that is the letter U-S-T-O-R-A-L-L.net. Two different facilities, both of them fully fenced, private gate code access, more than 60 cameras recording 24 hours a day between the two facilities, solar-powered, it's clean. It's everything you want in storage. And they also offer climate control, which is heated, cooled, and has dehumidification. So it's true climate control. Going to keep your things safe from the elements and extreme temperature swings and that nasty humidity. So check them out online, ustoreall.net. Of course, Scribner, I mentioned it when I was talking about my keyboard. I'm a huge fan of Scribner, and I absolutely adore this writing software. It keeps everything organized. And all my research is right there within reach. All my chapters are broken down on the left-hand pane for me so I can refer back to like what chapter was that that I mentioned this in. Oh, there we go. It's in that chapter. Or perhaps there's a chapter that no longer works. You can remove it. You can save it. Uh, it's, it's there for you to pull it back up later on in case you decide that uh, you do want that chapter back in there. Or you can just move the chapter around. So stay tuned for our Scrivener ad coming up here in just a moment. And, of course, I want to say thank you for our friends at popgoesthaculture.com. They have a whole host of other podcasts and blogs, lots of fun stuff over there, all kinds of pop culture news and shows, more than I can even list. <laughs> lots of things going on. And I'm, I'm just appreciative that they share my episodes every week. So get on over there, click the link in the show notes for popgoesthaculture.com and check it out. Anyway, I've been talking long enough. As I said at the top of the show, our guest this week is speculative fiction author Craig DeLuey. We had a fantastic talk about his love for, for dime novels, relatable characters, making a twist with the familiar, and his blog. His blog is really, really cool. You need to get on over to his website. I'm going to have a link in the show notes for his website so you can get over there. Just click that and get on over to his website. Uh, it's really cool. His blog is really neat because he does a lot of reviews of movies, books, other things. Uh, you know, I spent a little time going through some of his, his uh, reviews on, like, Us was the movie I went and saw. And, I, you know, I think I agree with his uh, with his review of that. It was it was fair and it was an okay movie. Um, for me, I, I kind of wanted more. I was The ending of it was kind of a letdown for me, but that's whatever. But it was neat, though, because of his uh, his blog, I found some other ones I want to check out, like Bleach and Dave Made a Maze. And, of course, in his book reviews, I found another Elmore Leonard book that 
somehow has missed my attention. So I'm going to have to grab that one here sometime. Anyway, lots of exciting stuff. It's a great interview, and he's reading from his latest dystopian thriller, Our War. It's uh, being hailed as his most powerful book to date because it is talking about, you know, a second civil war here in America. And, you know, that's not a stretch of the imagination to think that something like that could happen today. So, very thrilling book. I've got it in my to-be-read file. I think you need to do the same. So stay tuned for that interview with Craig DeLouis right after a word from our sponsor. Jason here. Hey, I wanted to take a moment and tell you about my favorite writing tool, Scrivener. Now, I know you've heard about Scrivener because their writing software has been embraced by hundreds of thousands of other writers like you and I, from the novice to best-selling novelists. The reason we all use it is because of Scrivener's core concept to bring all the writing tools you use together in a single application. And with tools like automatic backup, character maps, project goals, and let's not forget that amazing corkboard, you can see why I use Scrivener every day. As a bonus for Sample Chapter Podcast listeners, use code CHAPTER for 20% off your desktop version. Scrivener Writing Software, built by writers for writers. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting episode of the Sample Chapter Podcast. This week, we are gathered together with a thriller author from several genres, apocalyptic, horror, historical, sci-fi, fantasy. He does it all. I'm talking about Craig DeLouis. Craig, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's great to be here. Uh, it's my pleasure. I'm really happy to have you here as well. I'm glad we were able to get this uh, get this settled in. It's, it's always a task getting those, those schedules lined up just right. Yeah, <laughs> we worked it out. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into this, because I know it's uh, you've got uh, an exciting life. Well, uh First, I'd like to say hi to all your listeners. Uh, my name's Craig. I'm an author of what I would call speculative fiction, and that encompasses a number of different genres like science fiction, fantasy, and horror. And I started writing, well, when I was nine years old and got my first big break in the early uh, uh, noughties with a, a small press, uh, and then from there got my next big break when I started writing zombie fiction about 10 years ago. And at the time there were only about 40 of us writing for publishers like Permuted Press. And that was at a time when zombie fiction really took off. The Walking Dead was getting big and people were just getting into it and they thought it was fun. So uh, I ended up writing a novel called Tooth and Nail, which was um, ended up launching along with Stephen Knight. We ended up launching a subgenre in zombie fiction, which is military versus zombies. And that book did extremely well. I did two more books like it for Permuted Press. And then from there, got an agent and started getting into Big Five. I worked with um, Simon & Schuster on a horror novel. And my current publisher is Orbit, which is um, the sci-fi brand of Hachette, one of the biggest publishing companies. I had a dark fantasy published last year called One of Us. And then this year, I have Our War that just came out in August, which is a dystopian thriller. And then next year, Mysterian's uh, going to come out probably around November, and that's a horror novel. And besides all that, I also do a lot of self-publishing. I've self-published some zombie stuff with other authors like Joe McKinney and Stephen Knight and David Moody and Timothy Long. And uh, I also self-published my own World War II thrillers. Uh, I did a series called Crash Dive, which is sort of 
like Horatio Hornblower, but set on submarines in the Pacific in World War II. And now I'm working on a new series called Armor, uh, which is about the crew of a Sherman tank, following them from North Africa to Berlin during World War II. So very busy, like you say. <laughs> very exciting. Yes, exactly. And you kind of segued right into one of the first things that really caught my attention, something I wanted to bring up was you've got these World War II thrillers, which growing up, that was like one of the things with my dad. I mean, we watched, you know, tons of John Wayne, Henry Fonda, you know, Westerns and, mm -hmm. and World War II movies uh, growing up. So that was something that really interested me is you have some World War II series. What was mm -hmm. What was your inspiration behind some of that? Well, I made the mistake of reading a nonfiction book because sometimes I avoid <laughs> nonfiction because I'm like, well, if I really get into the topic, I'm going to want to write a fiction about it. And that's what happened. I ended up reading the of Bill Rui, uh, who served in the Pacific in World War II. And I was so fascinated by the technical aspects of the submarine and how difficult it was, especially on the old World War One vintage submarines that the Americans were fighting the war with in the, in the first one or two years of the war. I just became completely fascinated with it and ended up and I knew before I started reading, I was like, I'm, I shouldn't read this because I'm probably going to end up launching something big around it. And I did found the time to do it and wrote it, wrote the first episode called Crash Dive. And my theory at the time was self-publishing is really rough for standalone novels. I've published standalone stuff, uh, you know, single novels, and the response has been uh, virtual crickets. But with Crash Dive, I had this theory, well, I'm going to write shorter, pulpy, really pulpy books, basically just simple adventure fiction, man in a whole plot, and I'm going to crank them out in these series. And so Crash Dive, the Crash Dive series was born. I ended up writing six episodes following uh, Charlie Harrison's career from serving on an S-boat as, uh, as a junior lieutenant, and then he works his way up to captain uh, by the end of the war. And it's great stuff. I mean, it's it's simple, it's fun, it's heroic. The technical aspects of the submarine is is really cool. I ended up reading like probably 15 books and manuals from the the era, just trying to get every historical detail right and what it was like to really serve on a sub. And the result was fantastic. Uh, sales were absolutely terrific. This series had a really loyal following who would uh, follow the series from book to book. And now um, I'm setting my next series, as I said, armor in a tank. Uh, so the, again, it has that same formula of you have these these great characters that you can care about in in dramatic situations, uh, man in a whole plot where they have to fight a fight a battle or get get through some really uh, bad situation, and then you have the the machine, which is the was a submarine and crash dive, and in armor's case is the tank where I can do a deep dive on the technical aspects that readers really seem to appreciate for realism and just because it's interesting. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Quick. So it really does capture that, that aura of those old 50s, 60s classic movies, mm. um, what you would call men's adventure fiction, that era. It really cultivates that and gives people, I think, you know, a little bit of wish fulfillment. They're like, every, you know, that, that idea of being in a in a horrible situation and being tested and coming out on top through through brute heroism. And uh, so the, the series provides that kind of experience, and I think that's why it's so popular. It's just fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it sounds amazing. I mean, this is – that's one of the dangers of me doing this show is 
I find way too many books that I'm like, oh, I want this one, I want <laughs> yeah. that one, and oh, yep, here's a series, I'm going to have to pick these up, and thank goodness there's so many uh, authors on KU now, and it helps my budget a little bit. Yeah, these are all on KU, so I'd say give the first one a shot. They're shorter books, uh, because that was enough, what I wanted to do, was follow a dime novel business model. Uh, back in the 1800s, in the 1860s, um, there were these uh, dime novels that became popular and they were 30 to 40,000 words and they were pot boilers and westerns and the the like and very similar to what I'm doing with Crash Dive but just you know about a, over 100 years ago and I thought with the Kindle like, that model can come back and I think the Kindle's perfect for that kind of formula and so they're quick really fun reads and I think if you dive into one you'll be throw them in no time that's what I'm afraid of so. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward. They look amazing, so and it it definitely, like I said, it caught my attention right away. Going back and looking over your library, so that's I I can't wait. Tell me a little bit about you like to dive into different uh, categories, like we said, the apocalyptic, some horror, historical, and then the sci-fi fantasy. Do you have a a favorite, and or do you just like to like the adventure of of jumping from one to another? Well, I like speculative fiction because you can reveal so much more from character and plot and theme using a fantastic device. So in the case of uh, Suffer the Children, which is a horror novel I wrote for Simon & Schuster and is a twist on the vampire novel, a parasite infects the world's children, they die and they come back with a thirst for blood, and the, the mothers figure out that if they give them human blood, they become they come back to life from dead, exactly as they were when they were children, but only for a short time. It's like their batteries run out, and then they have to be fed again, mm. or they return to a corpse-like state. And so the children are vampires, but the monsters in the book are the parents, who will do anything for their kids. <laughs> and so the question of the book is, how far would you go uh, for, your, for your children, or for someone you love? So the, the idea there is... You know, it's basically a vampire novel, but I wouldn't describe it that way. You know, like the children become vampires and the parents have to feed them. What the book is really about is parental love and how far parents will go for their kids and how parents will say, you know, I would put my arm in a thresher for my kids. But would they put your arm in a thresher? Would they put his arm in a thresher? How many arms would they put in a thresher mm. for their kids? And so that this idea that the world could end and that something so beautiful could cause it and that something so beautiful the most purest love in the universe could actually be a source of evil i was just fascinated with that idea so when i write these books what what i loved about speculative love about speculative fiction that like in the case of suffer the children i could reveal so much more about human nature uh using that fantastic element of the parasite that turns the kids into vampires and so that's probably what i write i write books like that that are uh, you have uh, likable characters in a, in a very realistic, gritty world, but with a fantastic element and a big idea that reveals theme. And those are the things that really turn me on. And so from there, I can just jump into whatever genre I want to, that I can play that formula. Uh, so what, in One of Us, which was the dark fantasy I wrote last year, it's basically like an X-Men style story where you have people, this generation of children the result of an STD in the 60s. In the 70s, these children are born and they're monstrous. And so they're put in orphanages and rejected and then they start to develop these special 
uh, powers. And then I cast it as a Southern Gothic. So that story, I was able to play with all sorts of great themes of prejudice and, you know, are monsters born or made? These all a lot of different misunderstood monster themes using those devices. So I get to tell a very human story, but with monsters or with vampires or with whatever else. And then, and then our war, of course, is a little plays a little more straight. Uh, it's dystopian, uh, but it's a little bit more of a reflection of our times. It's a little less fantastic. Oh my goodness! Well, I mean, your work has been described as brutal, unflinching yet mesmerizing, frightening in its familiarity. And I can certainly see why uh, you're taking these, you know, maybe an outrageous thing, uh, like you know, like children being born of a, of a crazy STD, uh, but then making it very human at the same time, something relatable. Right. And well, that, that's the key. If you don't have relatable characters, the, the reader won't care. I don't think my fiction, I, I, I have been described a lot as brutal and unflinching, like you say, somebody called called one of my zombie books a curb stomp of a book and i'm like wow okay that's that's actually kind of cool phrase so yeah it's it's uh my fiction can has been described that way as very um as as brutal but in my view it's not any darker or bloodier or anything else than many other books you'll find like even stephen king who i would consider lighter horror what, what I take it as is a compliment to the characterization in the book, because if, if I can make you care about the characters, then you feel everything that happens to them. And so if anything bad happens to them, you're feeling it. Mm-hmm. And so the brutality is, is, I think, has to do less with the, with the, with the writing or what, the plot, what happens in the book, and more about the characters and that you actually feel for them and can relate to them, and uh, which is I take as a win because that's – uh, that's really the the hardest job for a writer, and my biggest job uh, is to is to create likable characters that the reader can care about. You have that, you have everything else. Yeah, no, I completely agree. That's wow. That it, it's very well said. Well, so now where do you do you have a a method for coming up with your ideas for some of these, like the vampire children, or uh, you know, like you said, you had the the World War Two stories and your zombies. Uh, I mean, you were certainly ahead of the curve with the zombies. It was this just like a long time love for some of those, or with the vampire children? Was that just kind of a fevered dream one night that that all of a sudden you, the next day you're like, yeah, I need to write with this? Well, I've always been interested in apocalyptic fiction. It's the oldest form of literature on the planet, going back to Gilgamesh and Genesis, and people are always interested in what happens next. What happens next for our species? Uh, could this all end? And what does that mean for me? Could I survive it or is it the end of me too? And so those are all these big questions I think are innate to human nature and are reflected in fiction that is like good apocalyptic fiction. And so I think that has a a natural built-in appeal. And what changes about apocalyptic fiction over the years is the mode of apocalypse. So in the 50s, you had Martians. In the 60s, you had, uh, I don't know, whatever else. Uh, 70s and 80s, you had disease, asteroids, um, Martians. You had nuclear war. You had everything. And then in the 90s, uh, I'm not really sure how this happened, but all of a sudden zombies got really big. And I think that they're a fascinating literary device, like a monster to use in a book. Um, there's so many great things you can do with them. And so 
I decided to write the the zombie uh, novel. Uh, I uh, when I wrote Tooth and Nail, I had read a a novel about the last Roman legion on the run, and uh, in Eagle in the Snow, I think it was called. And it was a terrific book. And the uh, Roman legion fights to the last, and I thought, wow, that would be really cool with the American military and zombies <laughs> in New York City. <laughs> and because I love the idea that the, these Romans were – these legionnaires were fighting for this uh, idea of an empire that pretty much no longer existed. It was falling behind them, but they were still holding out to the last man. And I just thought that was absolutely terrific and a very romantic idea, very stirring to the soul. Mm. And I was also always curious too because I would read some zombie fiction before that. And I was like, how come every all these stories like The Walking Dead always start after the apocalypse and everything's done? What happened to the military? I mean, America has the best funded military on the planet. Like, what couldn't they handle the zombies? And how did the zombies get out of control and overrun them? Mm -hmm. So I wrote the book I always wanted to read, which was Tooth and Nail. And that was about how did the zombies end up overwhelming the, the military? And you follow this uh, battalion of uh, U.S. Uh, infantry in New York City during a zombie outbreak. And you get you get to see firsthand, you get to be embedded with this unit while this all this is happening. So that was pretty much the, the genesis uh, for that idea. When I did Suffer the Children, I knew I was done with small press. And I said, well, I want to do something with Big Five. I had an agent. I had really good sales record behind me. I wanted to make do something bigger. And so I knew I could t take the next step. So I said, well, I'm going to write a somewhat apocalyptic novel, but really horror. And well, what scares the hell out of me? And I thought, well, if anything bad ever happened to my kids. And then I thought of the idea, well, what if the kid, my kids were vampires and I had to protect them? I had to feed them. What would I do? How far would I go? What choice would I make there? And I thought, wow, that's a really horrible choice. I wouldn't inflict <laughs> that on as many human beings as possible because it's so revealing about human nature and who you are. Like you can't read that book and not answer the question yourself, how far you go, and you will learn something about yourself. So I just thought that was terrific. And so usually for me, it always starts with, some kind of kernel of an idea. Wouldn't it be cool if, bam, and then I can start seeing it in my head and then I can tie it to that big theme. Once I have that kind of situation, what if, and I can marry that to a theme, this is what I want to say, then I've got the book. I've got, uh, I've got a situation that is a twist on the familiar and something new, fresh, and then I've got uh, this theme where I can kind of elevate the novel to uh, make the reader reflect on those themes and think and hopefully think about themselves. So that's pretty much what the genesis is like for these types of stories. Oh, my goodness. I, I'll be honest. I've, I've been catching myself, like, struggling to stay focused on what you're saying, and at the same time in my mind I'm going, man, what would I do? Let's see. Here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, your latest book just came out in August, Our War, uh, which is a dystopian thriller, essentially Civil War, again, here here in America. Uh, yes, the novel, uh, it's Our War. It's, it came out from Orbit in August, and it's about a second American Civil War, specifically about a UNICEF worker and a journalist to uncover the use of child soldiers uh, during such a conflict. And thematically, it's about the tribalization of American politics largely around superficial narratives mm. and where that might take us. Mm -hmm. And so the big what if is, you know, what if a, tr a president like Trump was impeached and he said, no, I'm not going. And then the, the right staged an armed protest similar 
to like they did at the Oregon Wildlife Refuge. Mm-hmm. Instead, but instead it was a national protest, and suddenly they had so much success initially that it turned into a revolution. And so you have Americans fighting Americans, and I, I became fascinated with that idea that the, as the basic what if. I then became fascinated with after watching Beasts of No Nation on Netflix, and I read the the great book it was um, it was based on, and by a, a survivor uh, being a child soldier in Africa, and. I thought, wow, wouldn't it be great to tell at least some of this story through the eyes of child soldiers fighting on opposite sides of the war, brother and sister? Because that way I can avoid picking sides with the politics myself as the author, because to the kids, it's all gibberish to them. Right. And and it also shows them as the as the real victims that in a civil war like this, everybody fights, nobody wins, and the innocent are the ones who pay the real price. And so the the kids in the novel become increasingly radicalized, but they're fighting for far simpler ideas like family, a sense of belonging. They think they're doing something good before they realize that what what they really should be doing is fighting for each other and ultimately themselves. And so I had a great what if I had these uh, great characters. And then thematically, uh, I had my own feelings about tribalization in American politics and how so many Americans, they have so much in common, but they have different stories around common events and common beliefs and common problems. They have these different narratives, and because of these different narratives, it's increasingly fragmenting them to live in, in different realities. Mm-hmm. And if America doesn't have that common idea, even of what it is, then what's holding it together? It's just another multi-ethnic empire in history. And so the idea of, uh, of America is what really holds it together. But if there's more than one idea and those ideas are so firmly entrenched, they can't even talk to each other anymore, then it's we're on some type of collision course that's that's not going to be good for, for the country. Mm-hmm. And it may lead to the type of conflict in this book, which I naturally hope it never would, but this imagines that it would. And like all good dystopia, it provides a warning. Yeah. Yeah, no, and it's it's just scary with how realistic it really is. It's the the like you said the what if, uh, you know, just this one little event, one little thing just went that extra step. Somebody pushed a button just to prove that they would do it. Um, you know, anything like that, it just right, very scary. Yeah, I mean, and you see it in 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 the media and social media. Like, there's a lot of talking the talk, and there some people are now starting to walk the walk. You are seeing a lot more terrorism. And if it, and that's something that should be stopped rather than allowed to snowball. The scary, really scary thing about our war is my imagining of the war less as a north south or blue state versus red state fight. If you look at the electoral map, by county, you see an ocean of red in the United States surrounding these islands of deep blue, which are the metropolitan areas. And so the the divide in America is really cultural between rural and urban. And in Bosnia, in the 90s, when their civil war broke out, the countryside rose up against the city. And that was ethnic, but it was also a class resentment. And it was a resentment uh, country versus city. So I imagine a second civil war in the United States to go along similar lines where you have basically it's the red parts of the country versus the blue parts of the country. And so you have a lot of sieges of blue areas which are the cities 
And uh, the, the uh, novel takes place in Indianapolis, which is a deep blue city and a deep red uh, sea. And then it follows it from there. What would that war be like? And and in my view, it would be very much like the Bosnian War, where you would have militias fighting. Uh, a lot of civilians would be involved. There'd be well, the first casualty would be American exceptionalism. We like to look at other countries and see what's happening over there and say, child soldiers, how could they be such animals? And look at those atrocities and look at what's going on. And this war in Syria. Oh, my God. Well, if we ever had a civil war here, it would probably you know, degenerate to that level over time as well if we had a similar type of civil war occurring here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean – and maybe it's the optimistic in me. Um, you know, I'm hoping that over the next years we, you know, we have another election coming up next year. Uh, but among people I know, I'm kind of seeing trends of people being a little more open to civilly talk to each other again. And you know what? Right. We might have difference of opinions, but we can talk about it. We don't have to. I'm red or I'm blue. Or it's and I'm, I'm hoping that trend continues because it would be nice to for everybody to be civil to each other and get back to being a united nation <laughs> again. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, politically, they should fight like, you know, cats and dogs, and that's perfectly fine. It's what we elect them to do. Mm -hmm. uh, but we as Americans should recognize that the other side is, for the most part, is, you know, they're not trying to destroy the country or anything. They're they, they have their own ideas of what works. And so we have to convince them of our side and then listen to their side as well. And uh, hopefully, yeah, it should be political combat, not not the real kind. And it should never uh, come to violence. I agree. Oh, my gosh. Everybody needs to go pick this up and uh, maybe get a little dose of uh, what if, uh, a little bit of reality and, and uh Remember to shake hands with your neighbors and <laughs> let's let's all yeah. be friends again. So, yeah, go out and pick up Our War. Is this on Amazon or is it available everywhere? It's available everywhere. So you can get it in bookstores. You can get it uh, online. Uh, you can get an audio book, an e-book as well. Oh, outstanding. Wonderful. I love my audio books. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, speaking of, where can uh, where can people follow you, Craig? Uh, they can find me on Facebook. I'm on Twitter, and I'm on, I have an Amazon page. I'm on Goodreads. But my main action, my main event is my blog, um, CraigDeLouis.com, and there I uh, you can find out about all of my work. You can see all the reviews that are are coming in. You can also read my blog where I review other books and movies and just things I I like that I've seen and that you might like as well. So if you come to my website. Even if you say, hey, you know what, this Delui guy's not for me. I found a book I really like. I found a new author. I found a movie. You know, like, so hopefully there's something for everybody, if, even if it's not one of, one of my works. <laughs> there you go. Plus you have uh, – I, I like the – I was looking through a little bit of your blog, and I like the, uh, the movie reviews and, and all these other things. So that's always fun to hear other people's opinions on, on a movie that I may or may not have seen. So that's cool too. Yeah, I just kind of fell into doing it, and now I'm. I started posting it to Facebook, and people really liked it. So now I just keep doing it. It's just sort of a habit. <laughs> Is any of this on your newsletter? Uh yeah, no, I don't do a newsletter. I just uh, I might I have a mailing list um, oh, where people okay. can sign up, and I don't want to bug people. They can come to my website if they want, and they can sign up for a weekly digest, uh, which comes through WordPress, but. For the mailing list, I only want to email people if I have a new book out. Oh. Otherwise, uh, they could just visit my blog anytime. And there's so much 
so many short films and movie reviews and book reviews going back years, and it's all categorized. I think if people like, if they try one thing and they like what I like, um, they'll probably like something else that I like, and so they'll find a lot of good tips there on things uh, maybe they haven't seen before, and uh, hopefully they'll find something. And what I'm really hoping, of course, is you know they'll at least check out my work, and I hope they'll give it a shot. Absolutely. You know, I like I said, I'm I'm just thankful that uh, that you're on KU because uh, uh, I've found several already that I'm like, yep, uh, this one and this one. So yeah, uh, get over to CraigDeLouis.com, find him on Facebook and Twitter, and of course, all of these links are going to be in the show notes as well to make it easy for you. So when you listen to this episode, just click in the the links. You're going to be right there on top of it right away. Craig, thank you so much for coming on here. This has been this has been a lot of uh, a lot of fun for me to listen to how you've come up with these books and and what's going on in your mind uh, whenever you write these. This has been a lot of fun for me. Thank you. Me too. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that means it's time for me to step aside. I'm going to hand the floor over to my guest today, Craig DeLuey, with Our War. All right. This is Chapter Two of Our War, and. Uh, so far, we've been introduced to the protagonist, Hannah, and the situation that leads to her ending up joining a militia in the Second American Civil War. But I wanted to introduce you to the next character, who is Gabrielle Justine. She's a UNICEF worker, and she's terrified because she's coming into Indianapolis, which is under siege by right-wing militias. And she's uh, uh, coming in there to assess the needs of the city's children for UNICEF. And this is a, a mission that she feels she has to do, even though she's terrified. Chapter 2. The Canadian Air Force transport plane trembled on air pockets at 15,000 feet. Gabrielle Justine sat clenched in her metal chair attached to the bulkhead. She wore a blue helmet, flak jacket, parachute, and around her neck, an oxygen mask. To her left, tarpaulin-covered wood crates filled the cargo hold. Twenty tons of milk and cheese. Cold air whistled through the compartment, bringing a strong whiff of fuel and canvas. Corporal Kassar smiled at her from his seat on the opposite bulkhead. Goggles and a dashing red scarf complemented his uniform. The other crewman chewed gum while reading a paperback. You're UN, right? The corporal shouted over the propeller hum. UNICEF! She didn't trust herself to speak. She nodded. But you're from Quebec, he added. Your accent. Gabrielle spoke French as her first language. Yes, here to help the children, very noble. First time in the jungle? Booms sounded far below. They were getting close now. Gabrielle turned to look out the nearest window. From way up here, Indianapolis appeared peaceful through a smoky haze. Indy, the locals called it, the crossroads of America. Then she spotted the scarred ground marking the contact line, battlefields and trenches among houses and strip malls. The city and its population of some 900,000 had been under siege for nearly a year. No sane person would come here by choice. The gum-chewing crewman called out without looking up from his paperback, what's the difference between a smart and a stupid American? Kassar rolled his eyes at the old joke. The smart one is watching the war on TV in Canada. Gabrielle flinched as light flashed on the ground. The crewman set down his novel and threw her a sharp look. The same joke now goes for Canadians, it looks like. Two years ago, the Democrats retook Congress and impeached President Philip Marsh. After the Senate convicted him, he refused to leave office, and in the end, it was the bulk of Congress that fled Washington, D.C. 
The military wavered as massive protests swept the country. Armed groups seized government buildings and TV stations, triggering a civil war. When UNICEF put out a call for field operatives to go to America, Gabrielle quit her safe job buried in a humanitarian relief organization and took a contract. In Indianapolis, she'd evaluate the needs of the city's children. It promised to be hard work and dangerous, but worthwhile. Her friends worried she'd lost her mind. Her parents had begged her not to go. Dad told her she was smart and young and had a long life filled with choices ahead of her. She was already helping the children at her current job. Why risk life and limb? She could do more good in the field. She wanted to take part in history. Gabrielle gave him every answer except the truth, which was long ago. If a single man hadn't taken a risk on her behalf, she'd be dead. She was tired of helping from a safe distance. It was time for her to pay it forward, take her own risks, and try to make a difference. Now that she was here, she wondered if she'd made the right decision. Gabrielle sighted the sprawling airport, so close. Then the plane tilted and cut off her view. Why haven't we started descending? Kassar grinned. Because we don't want to get shot down. He leveled out his hand and angled it toward the deck. The plane had to maintain altitude to avoid ground fire and then plunge for a rapid landing. She grabbed onto the canvas webbing and prayed, Do nous protéger. The C-130 Hercules dropped out of the sky. Here we go, the corporal said. Alarm shrilled in the cockpit, automatic systems warning the plane wasn't being flown properly. The plane screamed in its descent. Corporal Kassar reached into the folds of his scarf, found a talisman, and kissed it for luck. Hey, UN, he said. Gabrielle stared at him, unable to speak. The airframe was shaking. Hey, what? Are you seeing anybody? Are you kidding me? Can I take you to dinner sometime? No, she said. Maybe. I don't know. Anything, she prayed. Just let me survive this. Her stomach lurched as the transport plane leveled out. Giant wheels slammed asphalt, carbon brakes screeching. Gabrielle gaped out the window at the blessed ground. Armored personnel carriers flashed by on the tarmac. Pesco walls surrounded the airport like a medieval town. She prayed again, this time, that she hadn't made a big mistake coming here. And that was Craig DeLouis reading a sample chapter from his latest book, Our War, a dystopian thriller about civil war breaking out in America once again. It really is incredible. The reviews are glowing about it. Everybody's calling it his most powerful book to date. So make sure you click the links in the show notes to not only follow Craig DeLouis online, but also to pick up this book. Don't forget to click the links in the show notes for our friends and sponsors and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out next week when we come back with a new author, a new book, and a new sample chapter. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We will see you again real, real soon.